you're an expert on medieval history. I'm my own sort of expert on medieval history because as you can see behind me, I'm a big fan of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And that's basically the same thing as what you did. So yeah, I've watched the, the holy hand grenade of, of Antioch was I took a whole graduate class in that. Welcome to Anti-Social Studies and another edition of my new series, Emily Learns About. I'm Emily Glinkler. I'm a history teacher. And today I have John Moscatiello. 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 It's Italian. It doesn't. Moscatiello. <laughs> Moscatiello. Um, he is the founder of Marco Learning and also is just like a history nerd like me. So, John, if you want to introduce yourself and tell us what you're going to teach me about today. Yeah, Emily, it's great to see you. I am um, the founder of Marco Learning and by day and medievalist by night. Uh, my training is in the history of medieval Spain. I did my undergraduate degree at NYU in Spanish literature. So I have some of my backgrounds in literature and then my graduate degrees from Fordham and Notre Dame are in pure good old fashioned medieval history. So um, I lived in Europe for a year as a Fulbright scholar. I published academic work in Spanish and in English, and I love this stuff. I'm so glad we're talking about um, Monty Python and the, and the Holy Grail. Like once every three years, my medieval other alter identity like has something that's like relevant and interesting. And this is that moment. So I'm, I'm cherishing this, like the little Oh, Pearl. it's so rare. It I mean, we've talked about this before, but I, in grad school, studied, like, the interactions between Hernan Cortez and Montezuma, and the amount of times I get to use that knowledge is so few, <laughs> so I'm always so excited. Yeah, I mean, legitimately, my knowledge of the Middle Ages, I think, is, like, a lot of people's knowledge of the Middle Ages, which is it mostly comes from movies and books and, like, stories, yeah. and it doesn't actually come from real facts. And so I am excited because I do love that movie. I do know that Monty Python, they're very smart. And so I think that they know a lot more about the Middle Ages. But my concern is that people like me and my students who have to watch this movie every year, they then think that's really what it was like. And so we're going to do this in three parts. Uh, part one, we're going to get to torture. We're going to get to the church and monks banging their heads and whatever. But first, we wanted to talk just generally about like the philosophy of the Middle Ages, like it being referred to as the Dark Ages and whether or not that's actually, like, were they dark? How dark were they? Yeah, that's a great, you know, it's funny that you started with what you know about the Middle Ages comes from Monty Python and a couple of other things. When I got to college and I took my first medieval class, I thought, this is stupid. I don't want to take this. The Middle Ages are gross. Mm -hmm. um, I once smells. was in the... Oh, and everyone did smell. It's a true story. But the I was in high school. I went to the Philadelphia Museum of Art, and I was in the medieval art section. And I just got legitimately creeped out. Like all these rooms, all this blood, and like it just it it had no reference point to my life whatsoever. And so the Middle Ages has that really interesting thing where it is completely different from the modern world I come from. But the, a lot of the stuff I have in the modern world comes from the Middle Ages. It's both studying something different from you and studying yourself. Like, for example, the Middle Ages invented the university. It invented the English language. It invented the book, lowercase letters and punctuation marks. Wait, hold on. So lowercase letters. Yes. In the, in the ancient world, if you look at ancient uh, Roman inscriptions and texts, it's just a pile of capital letters, no punctuation marks. So mm. every semicolon. Every time you use one, you shouldn't use them that much. You should thank a medieval monk, 
there's so many things that you pick up and put down in one day that have their origins in this, not 5,000 years ago, but actually 800 years ago. Well, as you were talking, it made me think, like, we learn so much about Greece and Rome. And we like to talk about how we get so much from Greece and Rome. And I'm always kind of like, do we? Like, okay, democracy and republic. But otherwise, I'm like, do we really? Like, our buildings look like theirs. And really, it's funny that, like, what you're saying is we probably should spend just as much or more time on the Middle Ages but it seems dark and gross and dirty and boring. And um, and I also think, and this is what I want you to talk to me about, because I also, I think it's a conspiracy from the Enlightenment, right? Where they want us to go back to Greece and Rome, which was this bright, shiny, classical age that they're trying to do again. And they kind of just want us to ignore the so-called dark ages in between. Yeah, so the conspiracy is even vaster still, right? There's three vast, early modern conspiracies um, co converging at once. One is the Renaissance, where art in the Middle Ages is crappy, and so we need to go back to ancient Greece and Rome when art was real. Art in the Middle Ages is exquisitely beautiful in breathtaking ways. Um, a few examples would be the Hagia Sophia in um, in Constantinople. You go, you can go there today, see the, the, the diesis mosaic, beautiful pieces of chipped um, glass and, and gold that will just t absolutely take your breath away. Um, the the Saint-Chapelle um, chapel near Notre Dame in Paris, where you see stained glass windows, a thousand stained glass windows, they've recently restored it, recounting the entire Bible in blue and red and yellow. Mm. Um, they, they had tooled leather works. The best books ever made in terms of book production were made in the Middle Ages. But the painting was kind of garbage, and yep. they didn't—they didn't have single-point perspective. No. So everyone's arms are a little there's, like coming out of their hair. There's like flat man babies, is what I call them. Like all the baby Jesuses just look like they took a man and then went shrink, and just made him into a little man baby. Oh. And their skin's always a little gray. I—I I always show that to my kids. I will say I play into that because I—I I only show them paintings. You're bringing up a good point. I really should be showing them more than just paintings because I'll show them that and then I'll show them like Renaissance paintings that are like, oh my God, they were idiots in the Middle Ages. So that's probably not great. They, they, yeah, it's, <laughs> the painting and sculpture was not doing well in the Middle Ages. Um, you see these, these extremely stiff, flat, distorted, not realistic people, assuming that realism is the goal of art. Um, so the Renaissance had rediscovered those technologies and rightly looked down the Middle Ages for lacking the the kind of character of ancient Greek and Roman art. But you you said something really interesting, which is that like assuming realism is the goal of art. Like I think what I wanted to talk to you about or what, what we wanted to talk about is that from a modern perspective, the Middle Ages are like gross, but it's because we're coming at it assuming that the way we're doing things right now is better, right? Like we're assuming yeah. that the enlightenment and that all these other things are better, but it might just be that the goals of the people in the Middle Ages were just different than ours, right? Yeah, like, why is it better to sign your name on a piece of art? Hmm. Why is it better that artists sign their name in the corner of work? Right now, oh, because it's my expression, it's my identity, it's who I am, and my mom, my mom used to know that I did it. Like, really? Like, why not erase yourself and just make something for the community that's beautiful? Hmm. So this one bucket of the Renaissance, like they, Petrarch in particular, thought that medieval literature was garbage. He thought medieval art was garbage. And so they were going to rescue, he's going to rescue the world by going back to the real story of ancient Greece and Rome. The second one is the Reformation. And we can't get out, away from this, that the Protestant reformers say the Catholic Church lost everything from the period of 500 to 1500. It's what, if Christianity went off the rails, we need to go back to the true early church. 
the church fathers, the time of the New Testament, and that will restore us to the real way. And so the Christianity of the Middle Ages is like the monk in, in uh, the monks beating themselves with pieces of wood, um, is kind of a dark ages of religion. And then you pointed out the other key one, which is the, the Enlightenment. And our founding fathers loved this myth of ancient Greece and Rome. Mm -hmm. They were educated, you know, if you and I wanted to apply to Harvard in 17, well, you couldn't apply because you're a woman. Yeah, so, so much for like, so much for modernity's enlightenment. But if we wanted to apply to Harvard, we need to prove that we had good Latin and Greek. We'd need to, most of the education that the founders did at Harvard and Princeton, all these places was Latin, Greek, and theology. That was it. And so they worshiped these um, these classical models. Um, I think it was John Adams who talked about standing up in front of the room and having his Latin instructor like beat him when he didn't get his, he didn't recite his Latin correctly. Which sounds so, sort of medieval. <laughs> yeah. It sounds sort of well, medieval. And that's the other, that's the key to this whole thing, right? Whether it's the Renaissance people or the Reformation people or the the Enlightenment people, they need to believe in two myths at once. The myth that the Middle Ages is dark and savage and the myth that the modern world has got it all figured out. What would be some good examples you think from the movie of-, of Well, the one that gets me and the one that if I'm being totally honest over the last few years, I've been starting to question more is this whole idea of government and like representative government <laughs> and this whole idea of like the, this assumption that enlightened government is just inherently better. And I'm not for absolute monarchy. I'm not for any of those things, but I also think there was some stability in that, right? So I think about when the king's going around and they're like, who gave, who made you king? And he's like, the lady of the lake, clad in shimmering samite, right? It's like, there is that ridiculousness of like, when we see something like the divine right to rule and we're like, oh my God, who died and made you king, right? And it's like, God did. But also there was some stability there and there was some like unity if we all believed the same thing. I listened to a really interesting interview of a woman who was talking about how the enlightenment was mostly good, but the enlightenment also robbed us of our ability to like believe and have kind of like faith as a group, right? To all have this unity right. where we all believe in the same thing, which again can be bad in so many ways, but like, I don't know. I feel like living, especially in 21st century, us you just see we've gotten so enlightened and so independent that we're like a million different countries in one you know so my i guess my last question on this is like the the myth of the dark ages also comes down to like that the people were dark like they were not enlightened they couldn't see anything around them the joke i always make is i'm like peasants were just digging in the dirt for more dirt right it's like when king arthur comes across those peasants and they're like oh there's some lovely filth here right and they're like kind of doing nothing <laughs> like that can't be true i mean did did peasants really not know anything else that was going on in the broader world like what was that like yeah, that's a great question. So there's, again, the double myth. So medieval peasants were obviously mostly illiterate. They didn't have access to education and and um, and equal rights or anything close to it. They did, a lot of them lived off of subsistence farming, um, which of course isn't just moving mud from one pile to another. It's actually like quite hard, good work and takes a lot of intelligence and, and determination and planning. Let's talk about modern people or think actually of New York City in the 1880s. Oh, I've seen Newsies. Jacob I've seen Newsies. They were dirty. Yeah. yeah. Or Jacob Reese's How the Other Half Lives. Any of these like <laughs> these, these success pools of standing water. Why? You know, I don't mean to be like, so 
negative and such a such a downer but it's one of the things about this kind of comedy mm -hmm. like i don't think you could make this kind of comedy today the same way joking about like murdering women and as witches and like yeah po poor people are gross and religion stupid like i don't think twitter could abide it um no if it was but... set any time in the last 200 years it'd be like whoa 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 this is the thing i always struggle with as a history teacher is like part of it is to make it fun for kids you got to be like the mongols rah! but then you're like but the <laughs> mongols murdered people and those people were someone's child and like it's really hard to go back and forth and if you bring up a really good point right that it's like you make all these jokes about people in the middle ages but it's like the, the statistic i always tell to my kids i'm like people in the united states at the end of the 19th century they were exposed to, in their entire life, the same amount of information as one of us is exposed to in a day, right? So yeah. it's like, in terms of us thinking about, we talk about peasants in the Middle Ages, I think I read somewhere, and you can tell me this is wrong, that most people really never went further than five or 10 miles from the place they were born. Like most people are just sort of yeah. staying on that manor or wherever, and that's all they experience, which is one of the reasons why the Crusades is such this like eye-opening moment when people do go off and see the like amazing civilizations of the Middle East. But it's like, that's actually not that different than like you say, than we were living not that long ago. Um, and even today you could argue people still wanna be in their own little kind of bubble, right? We might know a lot more, but that doesn't make us better. That doesn't necessarily mean we're doing more. Um, yeah, it's interesting. All right, I'll stop saying that. I'll stop saying yeah, that we're no, digging in the I'll dirt. And so this this kind of comes to this big closing question for us is like, when does the Middle Ages end? Yes. Well, officially with the Renaissance and the Reformation and the discovery of the New World. But if you were a peasant in the countryside of England, that didn't, you know, who cares about the Reformation? A lot of a lot of the, the countryside stayed Catholic. A lot of the countryside didn't really interact with this really great art and it didn't discover any new world. Mm -hmm. So the, the Middle Ages for the peasantry ends probably around 1800 yeah industrialization yeah yeah and even industrialization gets penetrates into europe later so so it's a lot of interesting questions and, and the thing so if you don't know a lot about the middle ages don't worry about that you're probably not gonna be able to fill that thousand years in with all kinds of great stuff just watch monty python have a great time sure. but if, you, if you do know some stuff about modernity use that as your measure of whether you think we've arrived are we happy with what we've done you look around what freedom has given us and individualism has given us like i love some of this stuff but man there's other stuff that feels like it's missing mm -hmm. i think we all need to go outside and just dig in the dirt for more dirt well that's the end of part one that's like our big philosophical start in part two we are going to be talking about the thing i love to talk about and you're probably going to just make me feel terrible about it which is medieval justice torture, the Inquisition, witch hunts, all that fun stuff. So next time.